This is the Bob McCowan podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. With John Shannon, I'm McCowan. Hello, John. Hey, Robert. How are you? Boy, not I, bad. What, how are you? I'm fine. I, I'm. I was the fallout from yesterday. Uh, I, I, we might we might know January 11th is Bill Belichick Day for the for the rest of our time in the business. I mean, I how much Bill Belichick is on, on the verge of sainthood today? Holy! Well, smokes. do you think he'll coach somebody else? Yes, and I I wouldn't be surprised if the deal's already in a in a desk drawer somewhere, and they're just going to take their time, just just you like it appears it. that the Patriots have already decided on who their coach is. Well. Nobody cares about that, I don't think. I think they <laughs> care about where Belichick is going. Do you think the Raiders are in it? Uh, I don't think the Raiders are in it. I think the Chargers are in it. Really? And well, when when you think when you think about um you know the, the, the Raiders don't have a high end quarterback, but the Chargers do. And the Chargers have invested so much money in Justin Herbert. And if Bill Belichick can make Justin Herbert into a, some semblance of what Tom Brady became, then because he has the, he has some of those same tools, he's a big body. He can throw the ball a mile that could change the fortunes of, uh, of the second franchise in Los Angeles. Bill Belichick is something like 15 wins back of Shula, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it's 14, but yeah, it's, it's that's exactly right. And do you think that's what he wants Next, or no, I, his resume, no, or do you think he cares about that? Oh, I think I, every every person cares about things like that. When you get to this level, they care, right? But at the same time, I think Belichick loves the planning. I think he loves the feel of winning. Uh, I think he loves the camaraderie. I, it doesn't. It never came across to many of us in those press conferences he ran, but I do think that. He still has that ability and feel as in the as an, a guy in his early seventies that he can still contribute. So you think he's got three or four years left? Yes, I think it, I think he will coach till he's seventy five. And and in the same time, if I'm an owner, I'm saying, hey, Bill, you come along, and let's mentor your replacement. Let's bring let let's bring somebody along with you that we can then create a new head coach. Somebody you've blessed, somebody you've taken the time to address. We'll yeah. pay you for that. We'll give you a consultant's job after that. And then we go from there. The criticism is that Belichick has become a dinosaur. In other words, he loves the running game and he hasn't adjusted to the new NFL as a coach. Do you agree? Uh, I don't know about that, Bob. I, I would suggest the one thing that has changed for him is player evaluation. Uh, more so than style of game. So I, I what I'd like to see is I, I'd rather see him just coach um, and uh, and so manage he, players. you want him to give up his general manager's job, right? I would I would I would have if if I was uh, Bob Kraft and had uh, said, well, you want to coach, I'll let you coach, but you're not the manager anymore. You're not deciding player personnel anymore. Do you think he proposed that? No, I actually, I based on what we saw yesterday and what he and Kraft, I think, I, I think part and parcel of saying, listen, we want you to not do all of this stuff, and and Bill said, well, listen, I can go get another job, 
And rather than force him to stick with the club with his last year of his contract, which he had, uh, they just parted ways and life goes on and they remain friends. And I think it's a win-win. You rank Belichick as, well, he's number two, I guess, in wins. Yeah. You rank him that high as a coach? I think you have to. Really do. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I think I, part of what you have to evaluate is how good a coach is he and was he just the beneficiary of having Brady for all those years? Because well, all the success, you know, was it his success or was it Brady's? Well, and, yeah, uh, well, and and you I mean it certainly optically it, it it looks like it was it was more Brady than it was Belichick, but uh, I I think based on what you saw from Tom Brady yesterday, you have to think that he was respectful of what Belichick made him, and so many players coming out of the woodwork in the last twenty four hours to say that Bill Belichick made me a better person, um, and I, I I you don't you don't necessarily see or hear that very often when a coach gets removed. The interesting thing is Brady has has or will have a piece of the Raider ownership. I'm wondering. So, you know, I don't think he's necessarily like a Raider, but it's close. And I wonder whether a reunion with the two, by the two of them yeah. would be possible. I don't know. Hey, listen, when it comes to Bill Belichick, nothing surprises. Nothing surprises. Hey, we got a great guest today, Bob. Okay, uh, let's do it. Cassie Campbell-Pascal, who uh, has uh, been successful on and off the ice as an Olympian, as a broadcaster. Uh, she's moving on from her broadcast career to help the Professional Women's Hockey League. And we're going to talk to her after this. Great. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the podcast. McCowan's there. Shannon here, joined by Cassie Campbell-Pascal who uh, I don't think needs any introduction. This is why I did it that way. But uh, someone who has, I can't believe you don't have any trophies or medals in the background, Cassie, and then be turned that into a what I would describe as uh, the, the most successful female broadcasting career we have ever seen in our country. Uh, and one day just walked away from that, That's Cassie, that. right? What did you do? What, what, what made you decide that? You know what? I've been thinking about it for a while, John. It's funny. I think before COVID, um, I was starting to think about it. I, Gary Galley was sort of my the person that would listen to me the most. And, you know, I just travel so much for so many different things. And it, it I think eventually just took its toll. And I um, I was thinking about it before COVID and then COVID hit. 
And I was like, oh, I can do this from home. This is a great gig, you know, and I don't have to travel anywhere and I can do every show. And then after COVID that first year, I was doing, you know, hockey night, uh, Flames Regional, ESPN, the women's national team, uh, and the list goes on. And I just was like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. And when I, I went to Sportsnet and I left hockey night originally, they came back to me with this new Monday night show. And I was like, okay, well, this will give me my weekends back. It'll be really fun. It was going to be with, you know, Colby and Justin and Keith Yandel. And, um, and it, it was fun. It was really fun. And it was actually kind of sad to leave that show this year. It kind of brought the, the love of TV back for me, if you will. But, um, you know, when the PWHL opportunity came and allowed me to stay home a lot more, it, it just was a no brainer. And I'm having so much fun doing that role and, and working in the business side and the hockey side. And, uh, it's just, it's been really refreshing and, and not missing as much of my kids hockey practices. Cause I help coach. And, um, so that's a big thing for me. Can you explain what your role is with the PWHL? Well, they call me the special advisor. And, um, you know, I think, you know, Jane Hefford's my boss, which is really great. She's a great friend and, you know, was a great teammate, obviously. And, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I helped uh, start our discipline and review committee. Uh, I've been helping connect people with people from a sponsorship perspective. And I've had a couple sponsorship meetings, um, you know, just, you know, helping Jane in different areas, connecting her with different people and, and um, you know, helping each team specifically, you know, maybe some needs that they need and, um, you know, just wherever she needs me to sort of help out and, and be an extra set of hands. And, and I think I'm realizing quickly, that's kind of how the staff has been. It's like, whatever, whatever it takes to step up and make this work. And, and that's sort of my mentality was as a player and as a broadcaster and, and now in this and, so it, I'm, I'm excited. I, I feel a little bit rejuvenated and, you know, to be part of something so special in women's hockey and to try and make it work, it, it seemed like a no brainer for me. Do you look at the WNBA as a, a guiding force for you guys? You know, is that a motivation, what they've managed to accomplish and the kind of audience that they get now for their, their game? For sure. I, I think we, you know, would, wouldn't be responsible if we didn't look at all the leagues, you know, from male leagues to female leagues that exist, exist out there, you know, to learn the lessons that they've learned. Um, but I, I know Jane is really close with, with the leaders of the other female uh, professional organizations. And, you know, she relies on those people a lot. And, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, learn from the mistakes, even from the NHL, what they had when they first started. And, uh, you know, some of the challenges that sometimes they face still to this day, I think we get an opportunity to look at other leagues and, you know, how can we make it better? How can we learn from them? You know, how, how do we stay humble in this despite our early success? I think it's really important that we stay humble in this and, and be careful with our expansion. You know, when that time comes, make sure we do that right and, and make sure there's a, a good business plan and a strategic plan for that. And, and I think that's something we can learn from the WNBA for sure. But, you know, what they've accomplished from the TV rights and their social media platforms has been pretty tremendous to watch and um so I, I think we will be learning from a lot of leagues whether they're female or male you know over the coming season for sure the, the one thing about the wnba is uh it's taken a long time uh, uh it, it, there is there has been a great deal of patience how how do you manage patience uh through this process well, I think patience or or sometimes the lack thereof for women's hockey has been there from the get go. I mean, you know, when I retired in 2006, I I remember meeting with Gary, you know, pretty much right away and saying, OK, when are we going to have a professional women's league? And 
um, you know, here we are finally in the first year of, of a really true professional league. Like we've had other leagues that have been great. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, having a CBA in place and having the financial back backing that this one has is something we've never had before. And, and having one league where all the players, the best players are together, you know, regardless of what league they played in previously, just having the best players together, I think is what's going to make it work. And, um, you know, so we we just need to sort of be careful where we go and, and how quickly we want to grow. But patience, um, patience has been part of our existence in women's hockey, and it hasn't always been easy. It really hasn't always been easy. But I think that's what made the first week of the PWHL so emotional for the players and, and for those of us who played in the past was we're here and, you know, we still have a lot of work to stay here and, and to stay at the level we want to stay at. But, you know, just watching the games, it's incredibly fast. It, these athletes are so gifted. And I think the thing that I'm the most proud of guys is just how great of ambassadors are they are for the game. They don't miss an autograph. They, they recognize the importance they are to the young girls and young boys for that matter. And, um, but patience it's challenged me at times and I've, you know, ran my mouth off a few times, maybe where I shouldn't have in the past, but, um, you know, we'll continue to stay patient as long as we get it right. Why, you know, one of the things Cassie in, in listening to a lot of the people that, that work in the, uh, in the executive side was, and, and even Billie Jean King said this uh, opening day was that we promised not the women I noticed that people still say girls. Can I can I say girls? I, I it's okay. I'm okay, okay. with it. I know people okay. have a problem, but I'm okay with it. Okay, yeah. good. Because I because I, I I hear I hear players talk about other girls, but oftentimes we get told we have to say women or ladies. So uh so but I I, I hear I heard Billy Jean King talk about promising the girls a start now. You know, don't wait another year. How, why was that so important? Well, I, I think the players, the current players, you know, they really put their career on hold, John. You know, I know they got to play in PWHPA games and, but it was, you know, they really put their career on hold. Like I think back to the league that I played in, I'm playing on the national team. Plus I'm playing in our league and I'm playing 65 games a year here right. and there, depending yeah. on which team I played for. And these girls, you know, they weren't getting that opportunity. And I, I think one more year of waiting, one more year of patience um, might've been impossible. It might've been too much to ask of these players and rightfully so. And so I think the timing was now, I, I think four years was quite long enough. I think Billie Jean and her, her leadership group, I think they recognize that they recognize that these athletes, you know, we're going to be pulled in different directions very soon. And, uh, so the timing was right from that standpoint. And, um, and I, you know, I, I can't thank the current athletes enough for really putting their career on hold for almost four years to, to make this happen. Um, I, I would think that uh, attendance is the barometer by which success will ultimately be judged. Is there are there what other factors are there in your opinion? Well, I think sponsorship and long-term sponsorship deals, you know, not just the one-offs here and there, I think is really key. And our sponsorship group has been tremendous in what they've been able to bring in so far. And and we're going to continue to work in those areas, you know. Attendance is key because I think when you're watching TV and, and you're watching a game where there's no fans in the stands and, and we've done that, we, we've seen I that. Know, in, I've, I've seen it. Yep. Yeah. And we've seen it even in NHL markets. You know, you think of Florida sometimes I've done games there where yep. there's nobody there. You don't see that as much now because they're successful, but it's not as fun. So getting seats in the, in the stands and paid seats, you know, for so long, we gave away free tickets. Uh, right. 
And that's not a good business strategy. And so, um, you know, we saw the Minnesota wild game. Their first game was the whole, whole lower bowl plus. And then you see their second game in a weekday, a little bit less, right? You so- got to get your, by the way, you got you to get your nicknames, right? Uh, Cassie, cause it's not the wild, right? Okay. So- <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, it's true, but you know, to play there and to have their support for playing there, that's really right. key. Yep. I think, you know, establishing an, a relationship with the NHL is what we have using their infrastructure, you know, not duplicating all necessarily the resources and, you know, having their help is really key. And I know uh, that they've been working behind the scenes and I think they're going to continue to do more. We're going to see some stuff at the all-star game and um, you know, we're using their infrastructure for sure. And hopefully their communication platforms, Um, you know, it's attendance is key. I think the business side of it is really key too. And I think the professionalism of the product, which we've seen on the ice is there, but the professionalism of, of the game presentation, uh, all those things that keep fans coming back, mm-hmm. I, I think is something we, we're going to continue to need to work on. We've done a great job so far, but, you know, I, I continue to preach, you know, with half, like, let's stay humble, you know, let's stay humble. Let's keep working. And, and our group has done a really good job of that led by her and so many others. Happy with all the arenas. I mean, because, uh, uh, you know, like that XL energy center is a big place. Yeah, you know, I, I got to be honest, I wasn't sure if we could do that. And then I, I saw what I saw. And I think that's a market where we've seen women's hockey get support for a long, long time, especially at the NCAA level. I mean, mm-hmm. they sell out their barns and they sell out their barns for women's high school hockey, girls high school hockey. So, um, but yeah, I, I think so. And and I think that's something too, John, that you assess as we go. Like, um, you know, some people say Toronto should be in a bigger market or a bigger building. Well, let's let's just wait. Let let's sell this one out time and time and time and time again, and then let's see where we go. And and um, but I think all those things. The great thing is we have 120 staff. We've never had that before. Like when we had the Canadian, how many? 120. When Holy you think smokes. of league staff and you think of team staff, we we used to do this with one staff and an assistant. You know, and the rest of us were volunteers or at the board level or whatever. And um, so everything's being assessed. Everything's being uh, grinded through, thought through. Um, and, and that's, I think, you know, you always look for ways to continue to grow. You always look for ways to continue to get better. And, and to pull this off in really a six-month time frame turnaround, I think it's been a tremendous job by the group. And, um, and it's really been whatever it takes. Like, I know I'm going to show up to All-Star and I know water bottles might need to be filled and I'll fill them. I'm good. You know? So I, I think that's just <laughs> the mentality of, of everyone right now. And, and they're just excited to see where, where we can take it. What markets would you like to be in that you're not in right now? There must be three or four at least that you uh, have are high on the list you would like to get into. Yeah. You know, I, I think just thinking off the top of my head, I'd love to see Chicago. I think cause Kendall right. coin is from there too. Right. And, and, uh, I, I think that's maybe a reason why my heartstrings pull for them just because that's where Kendall's from. And she's been such a big part of this. I live out West, right? So I, I, I coach my daughter's hockey team. I'm in the minor hockey rinks and everyone's like, Cass, when are we getting a team in Calgary? When are we getting a team in Edmonton? Um, and again, it goes back to sort of baby steps, right? And, and keeping our costs at a minimum mm-hmm. as we can for travel. I think that's right. really important. And so obviously when we open up the West, um, you know, you're going to have some increased costs there. Um, I, I, gosh, you're, I, I haven't put a, a ton of thought into it, but I, 
you know, I love where we are as far as Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. I think those are an amazing women's hockey markets from an Eastern standpoint. I love Boston, you know, love Minnesota. Obviously that the numbers there, women's hockey have been tremendous for so long and they have so many stars um, in New York, you know, that's sort of like, it's New York, right? You have to oh, have a team yeah. in New York, you know, maybe Detroit, if I'm thinking, you know, from a, from a expansion, Detroit would be an amazing market as too. You think of what, Menon Rayom did there with the little Caesars program. And, mm. um, you know, so I think those are some potentials, but again, I, I think we're far away still from any talk of expansion at this point. Were there, you know, there, there was a time and, and I, and you know, this, um, you know, with the two women's leagues that existed and lots of people would shake their head and say, well, hold on, how can we have, another women's league or have this women's league that we don't have one men's league. We have one major league for men, but we had, we're trying to have two for women. Um, how much of a hurdle was that to get over, to get to this point? And, and is there, and, and is there any residue from that? You know, I, I, I don't know if I'm the one to ask about the residue left. I, I think, for whatever reason, it's always been a factor in women's hockey. Like you go back to um, when the very first National Women's Hockey League was started by Susan Fennell. Right. There was a little bit of pushback from the Ontario Women's Hockey Association. And it, it it wasn't a negative thing. It was just, are we doing it right? And everyone wanted to make sure we're doing it right. But yet there was always two sides. And then, you know, we had the Canadian Women's Hockey, or we had the, the National Women's Hockey League. Then we had the Western Women's Hockey League form out here. And then they were sort of, you know, to, against each other. And then we had it was the, crazy. And then we had the national women's hockey league and the Canadian women's hockey league, and they were sort of together and no one seemed to want to work together. And that was my thing. I used to get frustrated where, you know, we'd have meetings with the NHL and we'd have two sides and they get to these meetings and they never said anything. And, and yet, and I'm sitting there like, come on, this is such a great opportunity, you guys. And like, why can't you work together? And um, you know, a lot of people said the PHF versus the PWH LPA, and that was never a PWH. Sorry, I, I all these acronyms. It yeah. was never a, a PWH LPA thing. I think with with the players that that stood for something wanted was one league that was hopefully sustainable, that had a good business strategic plan, that had great financial support, that had a CBA that protected the players. Um, and, and because they learned when the, when the Canadian women's hockey league folded, I think that was a really sh a, a big shock to all the players. Cause at that time, a lot of the players that played in the NWHL were actually going to move over to the Canadian women's hockey league. Right. And then when that folded, I think the players said, Oh boy, we, we don't know as much as we need to know here. Let's get educated and let's stay together. And that's exactly what I think they did. And what I think I'm most proud of now from a PWHL perspective is how many former PHF players are playing. It, it was never about the us versus them or them versus us from this side of things. And, um, you know, we've always had some great leaders in women's hockey and we've always had passionate people. And I think that's been our number one strength, but at times we didn't work together and it was unfortunate and it was frustrating. And that's the stuff that really tested my patience because I think at times some people cared about who got the credit and hmm. that's what hurt us at times. Yeah. And so here we are, every league that has ever existed for women's hockey from a hundred years ago is part of this. Here we are, 
let's move forward together. And I think we're seeing that. Where's uh, where where are Gary and Bill on this one, Cassie? You know, I I think very supportive. Um, you know, we're going to see another three on three at the NHL All Star, which is really key. Um, you know, I I think the conversations between the PWHL and 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 uh, Steve it does all that with Gary. Um, Steve Mayer, yeah, right. Steve Caskin does oh, that on your side. Oh, yeah, Steve on our Caskin. side. Sorry, Stan Caskin, right? Stan, on, sorry, Stan, my yeah. my brain. Um, you know, I think he does all that with Gary, and I think they want this to work. You know, they've said that they want one league and then they'll get involved. And that's, that's what's happened now. And um, so they're doing a lot behind the scenes and I think they'll continue to do more and look at ways to continue to do more. You know, Bill and Gary have always been supportive. You know, any conversation I've, I've had with them, they've always been supportive, but it, it was difficult for them to get involved when it was sort of two sides and it was sort of fractured and I think because they knew uh, the chances of its survival fractured weren't really going to be that high. Um, so I don't want to speak for them, but I, I know that they're supportive behind the scenes. I know that they want this to work. And, um, you know, Gary is a text away, a phone call away. He's always been there to listen and to support and, and to hear what all of us have to say. And, and, and I think that's important too. And, and in my opinion, we need the NHL infrastructure uh, to be successful long-term and, and they're right there with us. Sure. And, and um, you know, Stan does a great job with that relationship. Well, the WNBA has certainly leaned on the national basketball association and their ownership over the last few years, more and more, oh, more and more every year. And essentially when we look at WNBA teams, we think of, you know, either their parent team or the other, the team they share a city with, as in, extremely influential in their success. Do you think women's hockey has to go the same route with the NHL? Uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to see it go that way. I, I, um, I think it makes sense. Yeah, um, I do too. You know, there's, there's still NHL franchises. You know, you guys know this. There's the big spenders and then there's the lower market team. Sure. And, and um, I'd like to see it go that way, whether, you know, it's year four, year five, I, I don't know. I don't care as far as that goes, but I, I do think that we will see a lot of these teams down the road under an NHL team umbrella. I, I just think it makes sense. I, I think no. it's obvious why, uh, the six markets we've chosen have NHL teams in those cities. Mm -hmm. I, again, I think those are conversations between Stan and Gary and, and I don't want to imply anything, but, um, I, I, for me personally, that's always been my focus that like I have one league with NHL support and let's go. And now we have the Mark Walters group. That's really pushed it forward and really um, given us the amount of money to make this a real business proposal strategy. You know um, it, it, that's really fun. And I, I can't thank them enough. It's been incredible that group and with Billie Jean King, but I still think from a, it makes sense to have the NHL involved and, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Before we, before we take a break, um, the one fascination with this league now is it's more physical. It is a, and all we're seeing, we're seeing a few pokes after the whistle. We're seeing a few more body checks. How important is physical play uh, and that level of intensity to the success, long-term success of this for not just 
you know, the hardcore women's hockey fan, but for the pure hockey fan who says, well, it's, you know, I like body checking. You know, some people still like fights and, 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 and that type of thing in men's hockey. But this seem, you got, there seems to be an awareness that the, the game can be physical on the women's side as well. Yeah, I think this is what the players wanted, you know, and, you know, especially from an international perspective where you would really spend, and even my generation, you would spend a period figuring out what the ref was going to call. And, yeah. and can I be fair? Hey, I was there in Salt Lake City, Cass. I know. I was, and then I was there 13 to one. The U.S.-Canada games, right? It, it was always different than every other game. And I think the players really wanted it to be more physical, to not per se allow body checking, but more body contact. and. Uh, allow people to separate each other from the puck. And and I think as a league, to be honest with you, that's something we're, we're really going to have to work with our officials on, continue to work with our players on like what's acceptable, what's not. And, um, and I, I know that's a priority, obviously player safety, but what's impressed me, John, is it's always been physical, but we're seeing it on TV all the time. Now. Right. Like right. we're seeing it on TV all the time. That's a big difference. And we're seeing how fast these players are like, Taylor Heisey, I watched her when she played for Team USA, but I never had a chance to watch her any other time. And she's incredible. Um, You know, to watch these players on a regular basis and to see how consistent they are. I I think there has been a lot of talk about the contact and the body checking, and I love it. I love all the talk about it. But we're seeing it, John. We're seeing it like every other day on TV. And I think that's like, wow, you guys, the, the women's game is physical. Well, it, it's always been physical. It's just been inconsistent on how it's been called from our league level to international level. And I think what the PWHL is trying to do is find some kind of ground that we can call the women's game on. And then hopefully that trickles to the international level as well, because I think that'll help the game grow. That's the voice of Cassie Campbell Pascal. Bob and I will be back with Cassie and more, maybe a few discussions down memory lane of her broadcast career and her playing career on the McCowan podcast after this. Welcome back. Bob there, John here, Cassie Campbell-Pascal in Calgary. Um, one more thing about the PWHL, Cassie, and, and this is uh, this is my TV hat. I got my TV hat back on here. Um, are you guys going to mandate that every interview is done without a cage? I don't want I don't want the inter- I don't want the interviews with cages anymore. I'm tired yeah. of the cage. Take the cage off. Lift the cage up. Well, I'll 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 uh, I'm just a special advisor. So <laughs> I don't know how much pull I have, but um or do they thing. have to wear do they have to wear the cage? Well, during play, yes. Why? Uh, I, you know, obviously, but you know, it was interesting. I was watching a game the other night and uh, Maddie Rooney had her goaltending mask on and she was the backup. And right. I thought to myself should she just be wearing a baseball hat? You know, I, so these little things. That's um, see that, 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 cause I saw that too. Yeah. And said, you know, we're, we're, you know, and, and you guys have to live at, I assume this point at the rules and regulations of the international ice hockey federation. But you know, I, I, I think you should be pushing the envelope on this kind of stuff. I, I really do. I think it's important. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's something that I'd, I'll have to think about and maybe bring up to our group from a hockey ops standpoint. Um, you know, one interesting note for you is we actually use the NHL, a combination of the NHL rule book and a little tweaks with the AHL rule book and also um, some women's hockey tweaks just based on the different rules. Um, so that that's kind of how our rule book is structured and it's all on the, the PWHL.com website. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, there's some little things like, does that help grow the game if we can have their helmet off? Um, you know, you, you're absolutely right. And that's something maybe we consider down the road. You get to a certain age when you play a sport with a different motivation. You know, for me, it was, it's always been golf. And I remember, uh, you know, I know many times I played the game and I realized, you know, you're not 25 years old anymore. You can't hit it the way you want to. You can't score the way you want to. How has it been for you to watch women's hockey at this level as great a player as you were, but realizing you're now, I'm sorry, but too old to I'm 50. play at this level. I'm 50. I know. I just turned 50. Um, you know what? Like, I think all of us that are former players wish we were 25 again. I think all of us in sure life wish we were 25 and being able to play, but um, the way I look at it is I, if, if my generation and the people even before me uh, that don't get nearly enough credit, if we kind of hadn't done our job along the way, we probably wouldn't be where we're at today. And I think of a lot of the key veterans that are playing in this league, whether they're U.S., Canadian or from Europe, that 2002 Olympics was it was huge for them. It, they were, you know, seven, eight years old. 910 maybe and they watched those 2002 olympics and they were like oh my gosh this is possible and mm -hmm. and you know that that's the group that kind of led this current veteran group to do what they've been able to do now and um so i look at it as just you know proud to have been a small part and done my job i i do not have uh the skill set nor did i ever have the skill set that these kids have it's incredible to watch um and I love it. I love that our game is growing. I love that it's getting better. And to me, if you're a former player, you're on board because you just love it and you know how great it is. And, and you're, you, you get a time to reflect on, Oh my gosh, look what our generation helped build. Sure. And I, I think that makes us all internally proud a little bit. The, the, uh -huh. the fascination for me is, and uh, you know, I I've had a, a really good front row seat to see the women's game grow all the way back to Nagano, the first Olympics and then Salt Lake. Uh, and, and, a, and a few others and, and Vancouver was obviously special. Um, but the hatred that existed <laughs> between Canadians and Americans um, in, in the rivalry tour on the well, Olympic. You're saying it doesn't was, exist anymore. No, that my, here's my, no, but here's my concern. Like for instance, Hillary Knight and Jamie Lee Rattray are teammates. Now they're teammates now. How is that going to affect when they go back to the rivalry tour? I want, I still want that. I, I still want that. I, and, and you have to wonder, you know, then the greater good is being helped. I, I'm not disputing that for one bit, but the emotion and the success we've always had with these two great nations playing the game, you wonder if that will taint it at all. You know, it's interesting, John. It's funny. I was just texting with AJ Malesko, who we worked together on ESPN and her and I did not like each other. We did yeah. not know each other. We did not like each other. That generation, we didn't speak. We never played together. We weren't friends. And now because of the NCAA, all these girls at some point played together or against each other. They knew each other. And that hasn't changed the rivalry one bit. And they're all more friends than we ever were. Right. Um, I, I don't think it'll change. I really don't. I, I think once you mm -hmm. put on your Canadian jersey or U.S. jersey, your Chechia jersey, that becomes a whole other level of proudness. And and um, here's one thing I'll say, and it's a little bold, 
and Carla McLeod, I'm putting a ton of pressure on her and my former teammate. But I think this league, because we have so many Chechia players here, I think they're going to potentially play in the gold medal game in the next next Olympics. Like they wow. are right there. They've been, you know, physical. Um, this league's going to help them get fitter. Um, they're going to be able to bring this competition back home to the players that are playing at home. And I really think they can do some damage at the next, you know, few international competitions. And that's where we hope that this league has a huge impact is not only here in North America, but internationally where we, we pick up the level of every, every other country. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice, but um, I think that's really, that's the real important thing too. By the way, um, <clears throat> I know one of your many other hobbies, jobs, is you're on the selection committee for the Hockey Hall of Fame, and and I think Carla McLeod should be in as a builder. Uh, I she's done a magnificent job all over the world with this game. And as you know, I can't say anything. I know you can't. Uh, that so, was, I, I, that's why I could say it. But, I know. So so I, I want to just we, we we don't have much time left before everybody has got to go their separate ways. Um, you made that move to broadcasting. Uh, a lot earlier than a lot of people did as, as a female in the business. How difficult was it? Um, you know, I, it was new. I, I like, I think the fact that I got thrown into color on my second day on the job, because that's what every hockey player wants to do. You know, back in 2006 in October, uh, Harry Neal, you know, missed the game and I had to fill in last minute. And I think I remember the the entire crew just like, oh my gosh, like she, I, I don't think she's going to know a ton about hockey. Like we really got to prepare here to make <laughs> sure she's going to be okay. And then, but I watched the game. I love the game. I knew everybody. I, you know, I was connected and like, it, you know, there I am with Bob Cole and I was so nervous. And, and I remember taking some heat for it because it's a female voice, but I was always supported, John, by, you know, both you and Bob all the time. Guy, men like you, I was always supported by my colleagues within Hockey Night. I was always supported by the NHL players and the GMs and the, you know, the league people. Like, they knew me. They knew my husband. You know, we have those connections. Um, so it there were times I think it was difficult from the outside, you know, especially, especially as social media came on. Um, and for me, what frustrates me about social media is that, every female voice, they think it's me. And I guess that shows that they know my name, but I get criticized sometimes. And I'm like, uh, I wasn't even doing that game or I'm not on that show. And um, so hopefully now that I'm just working with ESPN, that'll kind of stop. But, um, and I'm totally joking, but it, it, it was hard in the sense that everyone thought it was different from the outside in. From the inside, I think they realized how hard I worked and, and you know, the things I brought to the table and the people I knew. And I remember Jim Huff telling me when I did my first interview to get the job, he said, Cass, you got the job because you walked into the Air Canada Centre at the time and you knew the security guy's name. He knew you. Yeah. You knew the Zamboni guy's name. He knew you. You you know, you knew the coaches, the players all came out to you. And like a lot of these players, they watched me when they were growing up, when they were kids. And so... um I always felt the respect factor was there from internal. And I think that helped me get over some of the external uh, pressures that, that often came with it. But did you put that much pressure on yourself? Yeah. Like you, I remember that first night that I did color, I actually thought of saying no, because 
I was like, Cass, you're representing the women's game. Like if, if, if I screwed up that night, it's like, Oh, see women, they don't know anything about hockey, let alone that it's live television. And it's, a right. you know, Calgary sure. at, at Toronto and it's a huge audience. And um, so definitely early, I think I put that pressure that I represented the, the women's game, but as it went on, I, the pressure I put on myself would have been the same just because I have high expectations. I, right. the preparation I, I expect for myself. I remember when I first transitioned from CBC to Sportsnet and I sent a whole bunch of notes for my first Sportsnet game and the producer sent a note back to me and he said, he said, Hey Cass, this isn't hockey night in Canada. We probably won't get all this in. And I said, I hate to tell you, I'm going to prepare this way every game if it's a Wednesday or a Tuesday. So just get used to it. Use what you want. Here's my ideas. And this is how it's going to be. And that's the way I prepared as an athlete. And that's the way I prepared as a broadcaster. And that's the way I'll prepare as a mom and, and a hockey minor hockey coach. And that's kind of just my mentality. So it was a lot of fun. Gosh, we had a lot of fun back in the day. <laughs> you, hold on. You guys are talking about back in the day, 2011. I know. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Yeah. That's, that's t- t- tell me about 1989. And <laughs> I know, but that's where I, you know, someone like you, John, supporting me and you did, and you, you were great because you would be honest and, you know, to have someone like your expertise as a, a white male with all due respect. Um, well, I am that I, I know, but be honest with me and yet supportive and, and help teach me like, you know, those things are, are things I, I won't forget. And, and maybe I haven't told you enough, but are, are really valuable to me that you critiqued me or helped me just like you would have one of the guys. And that's where I knew I was accepted. Well, and that, and you know, I, I, I am concerned about that in our industry uh, because, um, and, and I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I, cause I think right now we're going through a phase where there is um, a belief that, well, I, we need to have a woman in place but maybe she hasn't paid her dues like you did. I'm concerned about that. And um, that's, and, and, and we, people, people need to have constructive criticism constantly, no matter what sex they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. I, you know, I'm not so much worried about that per se. I think that one thing, all of us who transitioned from CBC, where we did Hockey Night in Canada, yeah. When we transitioned to Sportsnet, and I've said this to the Sportsnet people, so whatever, um, is they had to do Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday, you know, and we came with this mentality where you watch the game, you prepare, you over-prepare for the game, but it was the biggest night and it was like this. And then when it transitioned to Sportsnet, and not not to say the product's bad or anything, I'm not saying that at all. It's just we couldn't possibly have those same expectations based on how many games we were doing. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was hard. Um, Sorry, there goes my phone. It was hard to get around that at first. I I will say this. I, I think it's really important to be a great broadcaster. You have to prepare You have to watch, you have to tell the audience why things are happening. Um, We have such educated Canadian hockey fans in this country that you, you really have to find those little details. And um, I think that's what makes great broadcasters is how well you prepare. And I learned how to prepare. And I'm not saying I'm great by any means, or it was, but I learned how to prepare through some of the best on Hockey Night in Canada. And I was fortunate. And I think that's a skill we need to continue to teach current broadcasters is how do you prepare? 
Um, and how do you tell us as Canadians why things are happening and be unique and be different and be educated? And that's a lesson for both female and male broadcasters. That's, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's that's what I'm talking about is this this is, you know, there are lots of people that think they deserve the position and then don't think they have to work too hard at it. Yeah. And I think I feel like we get like that too, John, as we get older, right? Like our expectations of what we we brought to the table and how we prepared and how we did things, it's just different. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It's just um, our expectations are extremely high. And, and that's, to me, a really good way to live. Agreed. Well, thank you for this, Cash. It's been great. It really no, has. I, I love you both. And thank you. And Bob, you take care of you and anything. I will. You, you, it's uh, great seeing you again. Yeah. You know, I, and, and here the fascination is that as great as Cassie is, she's still the second best broadcaster in the Pascal family. It's true. <laughs> it's and true. I'm, only say, I'm only saying that because if I don't say it, I'm going to get a text from Bernie and Bernie's going to be all over me that I forgot him. So <laughs> I'm not forgetting Bernie. You know, I'm excited. Uh, Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada is in Victoria next oh, week. And Bernie's going to be there with a bunch of local BC broadcasters. Jim Robson, I, I think there's a long list. And they're doing a panel with Ron McLean and I I'm so proud of him. And he was always so supportive of me uh, early, especially and uh, great, great family and, and lucky to be married to his son. Hey, listen, I, I got to tell you, I don't get to say it very often, but when I was a kid, I used to watch Bernie Pascal. <laughs> so yeah, it's awesome. It's, uh, and I was thrilled to be able to work with him and know him. And as it is a thrill to uh, work and, uh, and know you great yeah. to have you on. Okay. Cheers. You guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Cass. Cassie, Campbell, Pascal. back after this. So, Bob, uh, I, I don't expect that you've seen too much of the Women's League or the Women's Game. A little game. bit. A what, couple what, of games. What yep. do you think? What do you think? Well, you know, um, I, I don't know why, but I think that uh, I've seen some games where the attendance was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, for me, that kind of sells it. It's the same with the WNBA. I watch more because I see them selling out or close to sellouts in big arenas. So I, I think I'm influenced by the success of others or the success of the game itself. Yeah. It, it, the, you know, I was talking to a couple of people about, about this. And by the way, we're going to have Stan Caston on the show on Monday. Right. And in addition to talking about Shohei Otani, we're probably going to have a couple of women's hockey questions for him because he's been a driving force behind this league. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, so he's involved. Oh, Stan, nothing surprised me that Stan's involved in. No, I suppose you're right. But yep. um, is there are a few issues with some of the arenas. Obviously not Toronto. Uh, but there's, I think there are concerns that some of the arenas are a little too big. Well, I agree, and I think that's why I asked Cassie about the relationship with the NHL and whether we see the same kind of evolution as we've seen in the WNBA. Yeah, but the WNBA, Bob, you know, as you know, the you know David Stern um, really bankrolled the WNBA for decades. Well, I do because, and they just took, they just. They they adopted it and they uh, you know they used extra money from network rights to to finance it, but it didn't make money for the longest period of time. Oh, I know, I know. And, that, and, 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 and you're you're going to have to wonder at at what point will this league 
have to make that decision. And right now it's, it's on a high. They've had great numbers. Uh, they're, the hockey is pretty yeah. good. The hockey yeah, is pretty agree. good. And uh, we'll have to see what happens. Anyway, thanks for this, Bob. Have a great weekend. Okay. Have a nice weekend. We'll see you Monday.